0: just want to jump in and reiterate a few things that were already spoken. It's good to see everybody. Always a blessing, amen, for everybody that is here, um, our family, our friends, um, sons, daughters, brothers, and sisters. Um, I just thank God for every single one of you. Um, just to reiterate backwards with the Children's Church, please understand the promise that God gives us is based off of who we can pass it on to. The only reason why Abraham was promised a land is because he was going to give it to a seed. So the blessing of Abraham is actually generational. The reason why we get more than what we need is because what God wants us to do is give it to our children. He'll give us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He'll give us more than what we have room for. Right? Why? More than what we have life for. See, God wants to bless us with more finances than we have life to spend, more land than we have life to occupy, more houses than we have body to live in. Why? So we can pass it on to our children. The promises of God are always pointed to the next generation. Everybody following what I'm saying? And so it's so important that we develop them to want to take on what it is God has given us. They need to know the promises of God and know God is positioning them to take on what he's given us. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's not just occupying time so parents can be free to hear the word. It's actually discipleship. Why would we wait until they're 16, 17, and 18 and don't want to listen to nobody when now we have them in our homes and we can mold and shape them while they're under our authority? We're supposed to disciple them from zero to 16, zero to 18, so when they leave, they'll know which way to go. That's what this is about. It's just not children's church as usual, Um, it's it's discipleship. We we, we want to raise up a generation of of, of young men and young women that are light and salt in their generation that are calling a people back to God. Amen. And so we need your seed. And I thank God, Veronica said it so well but we also need your service. We need your seed and your service. Especially if you're sending your babies back there. Can we just talk like that? You got two, three babies you're sending back there. We need to see you back there every now and again. Amen? To help us to cover and and to to lead them. Also, we just thank God because there's different expressions of the body. See, um, risen who is a part of our family and a part of this body ha- desires to give, to give and and um, um, donation and to, to minister to the needs of individuals um, in, in the home. I, I believe it's a, in, in, in a home. Amen. And that's something we are all to take part in because we don't have an avenue here to do that. So guess what? We can all give through that avenue. It's an avenue that all of us has been given to give into and give through. So we just need to make sure that we understand that's not for and that's for the family. And so we all give into that and so that can be poured into and we can be a blessing. Amen. And so, so just keep that in mind as well. Amen. And we're just restructuring. God is reforming. I'm so excited about seeing what 2021 has to offer um, for us. You know, it's so amazing that we said the year 2020 was about vision. And I don't necessarily, Mario, disagree with that. But it was just our being we thought that that vision was going to come in that God was dealing with. Amen. I believe he was dealing with what we called vision. I believe what we called vision was actually just our endeavors and aspirations that we tried to stamp God's name on. Many times we'll figure out what we want to do and call it our vision. But vision can really only come from God. Jesus defines vision when he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. If we haven't seen the Father doing anything, we have no right to write a vision. Hello, somebody. Vision can only come from God. Amen. Vision can only come from God. And so God was dealing with us about our goals that we call vision. Because sometimes we'll make goals that ain't a part of his vision. So now 2021 will be about the eye. Everybody say one. When the eye is one, when the eye is single, the Bible talks about the eyesight being single. This will be the year of singleness. This will be the year of holiness. 2021 will be the year that we again magnify and holiness becomes attractive again. Amen. Not holiness as we have defined it. Not holiness where we dress a certain way, act a certain way. Holiness is not uh, uh, expressed in um, carnal actions. Holiness is being like God. Be ye holy for I am holy. Glory be to God. It's now having, the. if God has power, I do too. If God has victory, I do too. If God isn't discouraged, I don't get discouraged either. I'm holy like he's, God. this will be the, the year of holiness. This, watch what I tell you. Again, we're going to, you're going to see men reaching again for purity. You're going to see men reaching again for cleanliness. God is about to clean, clean his house. God is about to get out the disinfectant. He's about to tie three cords together and start running out the money changers, the merchants, and those that have made his house a den of thieves. He's about to cleanse the house. And holiness will be attractive again. And when the eye of holiness, when you're single, your whole body shall be full of life. This is going to be the year we learn how to see God on every aspect of our life. You know why we emphasize gifts so much? Because there's so many other parts of our life that God isn't evident on. So we emphasize our gifts. When they sing, God falls. But what about when you work? When they preach, God moves. But what about when you're in a trial? See, what about in the fact God wants to put, make himself evident on every aspect of us. Of who we are, and we're going to see that. We're going to see, Amen. As we enter into holiness, God's hand on our ministry, God's hand on our mind, God's hand on our emotions, God's hand on our marriage, God's hand on our health. Our health is going to get better in twenty twenty one. We're going to get older, but actually get our, our health is become going to become better. I'm telling you right now, as we enter into this dimension of holiness and singleness before our God. Amen. Get ready. 2021 will be the the year of holiness and then 22. It'll release. God is going to release us into 22 years. 22 straight years of advancement and progression 21 will be holding 22 will mark tw- whatever you however old you are at, in 2022 mark it off for 22 straight years God is going to advance you and progress you if you allowed yourself to enter into that holiness watch what I tell you 22 years of nothing but upward and forward 22 years of everything you set your hands to working 22 years of prayers answer 22 years of power seen Twenty-two years of every business you start working. Twenty-two years. Amen. I'm going to share some of that at New Year's, but I I just felt it necessary to understand that. But we got to understand, we got to re-embrace holiness. Everybody shout "Holiness." holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Come on. Sight. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord we're about to see the Lord the church is about to see the Lord Whew. hallelujah in every area of our lives and so I, I just wanted to kind of share that with you Listen, I don't have as much voice as I like amen But look we've been doing school of ministry in Darlington in the morning and the Lord has just been 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 rocking that thing and just releasing so many magnificent things in that. And um, so I thank God for it. Um, I, we've been dealing with on just in a vein of devotion. We we have as a people have been in the vein of devotion and the order of devotion. And I believe that God is actually delivering our devotion. I, I, I would have to say... Uh, in, in you would find that there are many people who actually end up more bound after they do their devotions. They'll go into prayer and leave heavier. They'll enter into praise and come out with more questions of God when you're going to do it. What happens when your devotion is the problem? What happens when how we relate to God is actually releasing the enemy to attack us? What happens when we need to deliver our devotion from demonic influence? Man, if religion teaches us how to worship, we'll never worship God. Amen? Bless the Lord. And so I want to deal with devotion again. If y'all don't mind me, can I just walk for a minute? Glory be to God. And I want to deal with some devotion. I want to do some teaching. And I want to do some reading before I do that teaching. And I want to to deal with this devotion. Amen. To de- We all know devotion always ends in what, y'all? Strength. All All proper order devotion always ends in strength, no matter what situation you're in. Heart. Soul, mind, then what? Strength. And after I say thank you, if I ain't strong, then I need to rearrange where I'm saying it from. After I lift my hands, if I don't feel like I can make it, when I put them down, I need to rearrange from where I lifted my hands. I lifted my hands from a mind source and not from a heart source. Amen. And so so God is putting our devotion. Uh, Back in order so we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Therefore, put on the what? You know why we are not armored? Because you can only do it when you're strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Many of us are going unarmed simply because we're too weak to put on armor. You can't put on armor in weakness. We put on armor in strength. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We put on the helmet of salvation in strength, glory, to God. We take up the shield of faith in strength. It's like I'm I'm working my faith, but the devil just keep on hitting me because that you're not picking up faith in strength. And so nothing the devil's shooting at you is actually being quenched. You are feeling everything he's shooting. And everything he's saying. We must reorder our devotion to understand God divine devote, God designed devotion to make sure we remain strong in the Lord. Amen. And so I believe that Job helps us a little bit. If y'all don't mind me just teaching for a minute. um, The Bible says here, we're going to go to Job chapter one, verse number one. And the Lord really I wasn't going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read the whole thing as 22 verses. Because I believe it's prophesying to the year 2022. What I just spoke to you. God has been dealing with me about 22 for several years now. Anybody who's close enough to me for me to share my heart knows that. 22 has been, and he's steady emphasizing it to me. Amen. He even allows me to keep my weight at 222. And I said, thank you, Jesus. He's like, man, for the prophecy's sake, Lord, keep me here. For the word of the Lord. I can't do 240 no more, Lord. My God. So I stay around 222. Thank you. Amen. Now, Job chapter 1, verse number 1. Watch this. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and did what? Eschewed evil. Everybody say he was perfect, and he was upright. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. He was the greatest of all men in the entire eastern hemisphere. Right? He was. He was. He was. He was bigger than Bill Gates. He was bigger than Donald Trump. He. He. His. His influence. His impact. His wealth. His property. Um. The. The weight of his words, because he had, He owned so much of what was around. Amen. He was the heaviest of heavy hitters. Right? And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Now, that I'm going to have to cover another day. Because that means they they were having drinking parties. His children were, and I ain't even got time to teach that. Amen. They were getting together and they were drinking good in the name of the Lord. We'll deal with that another day. Hopefully I can pick it up next week. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job, everybody say continually. He always did it, especially after they finished their drinking, their drinking parties. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. Now, the story shifts. We move from earth to heaven. Now, in verse number six, we are now, we've changed things. We're no longer talking about earth. We're now dealing with the heavens. We've shifted realms. Verse six, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, the angels. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Has not thou made a hedge about him? And about his house and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Verse number 10 is going to be our destiny after we enter into this place of holiness. Amen. That's going to be our testimony. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has and he'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in your power. Only upon himself put not forth your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came... A messenger unto and said the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yeah, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You, you had now here all of his oxen. You're talking about. A multi-million dollar business in itself. Not only did he lose all of, of the stock in that business, he lost the workers that were working that stock. His business was wiped out and all the workers he had were wiped out. You see that? While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen upon heaven and have burned up the sheep and the servants. And consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell another fortune five hundred dollar business completely wiped out with all of uh, all of the resources and now the workers, while he's yet speaking, there came also another and said the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away, yeah, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and i only I am escaped alone. To tell thee another Fortune 500 company that employed hundreds of people destroyed and the employees wiped out. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in thy elder brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground. Come on. And it contradicts everything that just happened. And worship. That's what my, come on, come on. That contradicts everything. We got to learn how to contradict what the situation wants us to do. And said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. But guess what? I'm a to bless the name of the Lord. We lose our job and stop blessing God. This man <laughs> lost an in. Uh, three Fortune 500 companies and all the employees and said at the end of the day, I don't know what to do but to bless God. Because I never got him on my own strength anyway. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. We got to learn how to stop charging God with charges that he didn't. Now, the next chapter, and I'm not going to even read it, it goes in... Satan comes again because he's mad because job won't curse him, and then he said, "A man flesh for flesh, a man will will, will give anything for his life. Amen He said, if you touch his health, he'll curse you and so the, the, the Satan was able to re- release a spirit of infirmity where he was covered in boils and pussing sores, hurtful, pussing bloody. It wasn't just one here or here. He was covered from head to toe. He had pus and blood from risings and boils oozing out the back of his head, the front of his feet, over his fore. He, he was so grotesque and covered with boils and infirmity. Uh, you ever had a rising before? Glory be to God. Don't say that because I don't know I asked that. But if you can imagine having risins all over your body, no part of your body that's not covered. To the point where his three, fin, his three fins, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they come and they can't even recognize their friend. Because he's been that marred by the spirit of infirmity that attacked him and covered him with sickness. But yet and still, the Bible says his wife even looks at him, Tana, and says, why don't you just curse God and die? And he looked at his wife after losing everything, including his health, and said, woman, you're talking foolishly. Shall we accept from God good and not accept from God evil? I bless the Lord. Watch this. Father, I bless you. And I just thank you now for grace to speak in a way that delivers our devotion from opening the door to bondage. I break the cords of immaturity. And I call us into into the fullness of the measure of the stature of our Lord, even in this place right now. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now watch this, because it's so interesting to me. When I read the book of Job, or when I think about Job, uh, um, Prophet Charles, uh, the question always arises, why, I know this has to arise with you because it does with me, why did Yahweh give Satan so much access to Job's life? Not only to attack his prosperity, but also to attack his posterity. He not only came in and destroyed Job's prosperity, but he destroyed uh, uh, um, Job's now generational legacy by wiping out his children. Even further, the question has to come to me and you, why did Yahweh not only allow it, why did he suggest it? In his interaction with Satan... He says, have you, that word jumps off of the pages, have you considered my servant, Joel? And by way of Yahweh's suggestion, not Satan, Yahweh, Satan came in, in the first swipe, in the first attack, and he now wipes out 7,000 sheep. Do you understand the worth of 7,000 sheep today? Not to mention back then, today. 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, and 500 donkeys, and a very great household with all his employees, all wiped out in one attack. Now, even further, Satan's allowed attack didn 't stop there I just everybody say it was an allowed attack it was an allowed attack, but it didn't stop with job's prosperity but it wiped out his posterity. all seven of his sons and three daughters were killed when a windstorm hit the house. glory be to God the, 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 the house collapses on them and kills them instantly. Two enemy wipes out everything Job possessed and wipes out all of Job's hope to ever leave legacy. When Job dies, there's no evidence he was ever on earth because he has nothing running around, no seed that resembles him. But it didn't stop there. The final stroke of Satan's allowed attack, everybody say allowed attack, took away from Job his health. Satan was allowed to release a spirit of infirmity to strike Job from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet with big, sensitive, gooey, come on, grotesque, bad smelling pussy, bloody, boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet that would dry up and Job would literally take a pot sheared, a broken piece of pottery and scrape off the scabs of the boils that were all over his body. Now, we're always told that God just wanted to test Job. That's what we're told, Matthew. That God Just wanted to prove to Satan that Job wouldn't curse him no matter what he did to him. So he could look back at Satan, Tasha, and say, see, I told you so. Nan, nan, the boo-boo. I told you he wouldn't curse me to my face. I got a problem believing that God is that egotistical and that vain to allow that man to lose all that just so he could poke his chest out to the devil and say, I told you, Job wouldn't do it. I be- look here and tell you, neighbor, I believe it's deeper than that. I believe that job I don't believe God just plays with our lives like that, just allows the enemy to come in and, and, and rip us apart and, and, allow, and, and tear, turn things upside down like that. I don't believe that. I believe that job's situation was about teaching Job as well as us about devotion, intercession and worship. He was teaching he was teaching Job something allow me just to talk he was trying to teach Job about devotion intercession and worship the lord was using the devil to deliver Now, to deliver Job's devotion and sanctify his intercession so he can live the lifestyle of a worshiper. He's using the story of Job to deliver our devotion, sanctify our intercession, so we can live the lifestyle of a worshiper. I believe that Satan's allowed attack, everybody say it was an allowed attack. That Satan's allowed attack was directly correlated to what Job was continually doing in his devotion and intercession. Can I tell you again, there is a form of devotion that actually opens the door to demonic attack. There is a form of devotion that actually incites satanic activity and that's what the lord is trying to teach us in this text is to now sanctify and deliver our devotion from a form of religion that keeps us fighting the devil that he's already defeated what if i what if i keep being defeated and it's my devotion that's causing it what if the devil keeps on coming in and the gate he's coming in through is my devotion? How does the devil keep getting in? I'm, I, don't, I don't know what else to do right, God. I don't know what. I'm doing everything I know to do right and the devil is all over the place. Maybe the gate is the devotion. I have believe what Job is teaching us. Job chapter 1 verse 5. I'm going to show it to you. We're going to talk about this devotion. You don't mind if I talk for a minute. When, Job chapter one, verse five in the Homer Christian Standard Bible, we're going to talk about the issue with the devotion. Whenever a round of banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For Job thought, watch this, perhaps my children have sinned. This was Job's everybody say regular practice. That's what he did all the time as his devotion. Put it in the King James Version. I just want to walk for a minute. Please follow me. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone, this is that same verse in the King James, about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job, everybody say continually. This is the greatest detail, Miss India, that we have of Job's devotion and what it looked like. We have no greater detail than verse number five of Job's devotion and what his devotional life actually function practically what it function in Job's devotion I'm about to talk in a minute was to continually bring up Satan's curse before God and plead to God to keep his children from carrying Satan's curse in their heart God keep my children from the curse God don't let my children keep keep my children from the streets. God, don't allow my children to be taken by drugs. God, don't allow my children children to fall under perversion and homosexuality. God, keep them from perversion. God, keep them from homosexuality. God, keep them from abusive relationships. God, keep them from running the streets. God, keep them out the clubs. God, keep them away from alcohol. God, keep them away from drugs. And as much as Joel asked God to keep his children from the curse, all of His children wind up dying because, oh God, every last one of them died because of a curse. That's like us praying, God, don't allow them to be fornicators. And now they got three children out of wedlock. Does that sound familiar anywhere? God, keep them from gangs. And now they're the one running the gang. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Why? Because that's not the devotion that gives us power to release. I'm trying to help somebody up in here. God is trying to reorder our devotion. He prays for his children not to carry a curse, and they die because of one. And God was the one who said, have you
1: considered?
0: Can I I help you understand why? Let me just talk for a minute. Y'all still with me? In Job 1 and 5, Job brought up Satan to God. In Job 1 and 8, God brought up Job to Satan. In Job 1 and 5, Job brings up Satan's work to God. In Job 1 and 8, God brings up Job to Satan. Why does God bring up Job to Satan? Because Job is bringing up Satan to God. You, the one. Who added him in the conversation. It was an A and B conversation. And the devil was supposed to see his way out. But since you're talking about the devil to me. I'm going to talk about you to the devil. Have you considered my servant Job? Because Job don't understand devotion yet. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered My servant Job. Job brought up Satan to God, so God brought up Job to Satan. Satan wasn't even talking about Job. Y'all hear me? Satan wasn't talking about Job. He didn't plan an attack on Job. He wasn't openly even giving any attention to Job. As a matter of fact, he couldn't. He wasn't even considering Job. But since Job was considering him, y'all hear what I'm saying? It opened up God to. Satan wasn't even talking about God, but Job was talking about Satan. Amen. Let me say, Satan wasn't even talking about Job. But Job was talking about Satan, which opened up the door for Satan to gain access to an allowed attack on Job and his children. Satan could not touch Job nor his children. Did you read the scripture? You placed a hedge upon him and his house. I can't get to his children. I can't get to his money. I can't get to nothing of his. The problem is I got a righteous man who don't understand devotion because you can be righteous and not understand devotion. I got a righteous man that don't understand order. Yeah. and so I had to bring him up to you because this un—this righteous man keep on talking about you to me. And so have you considered? Satan couldn't touch Job nor his children, but the problem was Job's devotion. Satan wasn't even considering Job. Come on, somebody say he wasn't considering Job. I'm going to read it to you because y'all think I'm lying. Verse number 9, Job 1-9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "Doth Job fear God for not? Have not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in all of the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, All that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth hand. Job brought up Satan before God, so God brought up Job before Satan. See, many times we continue to have to fight the devil because we keep bringing him up. Man, I wish I could talk up bit here. We in prayer bringing up, God, keep the devil from me over here. God, don't allow this to come in. God, deal with me and keep me in peace when I face this. And, and God is saying, why are you in the presence of your king talking about the enemy I defeated? Why is he a part of the conversation? Why are you giving me details about the devil and you're in the, and you're in the face of your king? And call it devotion. And call it intercession. Right. Amen. Many times we continue to have to fight the devil because we keep bringing him up. Our acknowledgement of him fuels his attack of us. I'm going to say that again. And Y'all don't mind if I just walk a little bit our acknowledgement of him fuels his attack of us. How much are you talking about the devil? That's how much you're fighting him. I pray God keep, I pray God keep please don't let God, don't let the devil attack my nerves God. But but you're in now the presence of the Prince of Peace. Why are you bringing up the devil attacking glory Peter. Please don't allow the devil to attack my nerves. I just bless you that that, that I'm going to be okay and what ends up happening? A fight ends up happening in the area of your nerves. Why? Because then God said, well, you brought up the devil attacking your nerves to me. So I got to bring it up to the devil to attack. Have you considered the devil is attacking us based on how much we're considering him? What? What? The devil is attacking you based on how much you're considering him. Don't allow the children, don't allow the devil to take my children and make them worldly. Don't allow them to snatch them and bring them into the streets. And then God has said, Oh, that's what you're considering. Have you considered? And so our children wind up entering into the very thing we're praying to stop them from entering in because we don't understand devotion. So we got a whole generation of pk kids and they were the worst whorish folk in the church they were they were the ones sneaking everywhere why because they had parents uh, that did not understand devotion god keep my daughter's uh, keep her keep her keep her from sleeping around keep her from sinning keep her from and they were steady throwing out details And we thought that was devotion and intercession. And all we did was produce a generation that knows how to be churchy and still be sneaky. Hello? Hello? Why? Our devotion and intercession was out of order. Job's devotion and intercession was out of order. Job was in the presence of the blesser bringing up curses. Can you imagine that? He was bringing up, watch this, curses before God who has broken every curse. Which opened the door for a curse to influence his life. Satan can't come in unless he needs somebody to present him. When we come in prayer with the enemy's name, we're actually presenting the enemy before God. So now, because, in, you notice how it flipped from earth to heaven? Y'all didn't notice that. Because what, what that text is trying to show us is how heaven was reflecting earth. Because we just think, glory be to God, we just think that heaven is influenced by earth, but earth also influences there's things we can do that makes things up there move. Like Aaron and earth holding up Moses' hand and all of a sudden that which was being defeated gets the favor of God in it shifts. Like Moses holding a staff over a red sea in the earth caused a response from heaven and the wind blew and the red sea was now parted. Now because Job is presenting the devil before God in earth, the, the sea shifts to heaven in verse 6 so when the sons of God come to present themselves Satan comes also why did you come? because I got a man in earth presenting me to God so I'm in heaven and I can present myself to God it was a reflection of what was happening I need somebody to get this We're always fighting what we're always presenting. If we're in the presence of God, presenting, God, God, keep the devil from making me tired. We just, just, when the sons of God come together in heaven, guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to accuse. I'm here because they're the ones who are talking about me to you. God, you can't tell me to leave because they're presenting you to me, me to you right now. They're in prayer talking about me to you. They put me here. Okay, okay, okay. Have you considered my servant, John? How many things is the devil considering that he wasn't even looking at until we talked about it? The devil wasn't even considering attacking your finances until you said, God, keep the devil from my Keep this from this. Keep the boogeyman from this. Keep the boogeyman from that. Keep the boogeyman. And before you know it, we're being attacked on every side. How did I get attacked so much? Because you've been presenting the enemy before your God. That's not what devotion is for, neither intercession. There's nothing in the presence of God talking about the devil. Read every illustration of worship in heaven and you will find that, that that nothing in heaven is talking about the devil because they're in the presence of God. Those four winged creatures aren't saying devil, devil, devil. Those four winged creatures are saying holy, holy, holy. Those 24 elders aren't saying devil, devil, devil. Those 24 elders are saying thou art worthy. There is a choir writing new songs about the glory of God, and none of the topic is the devil. They're even singing a song right now saying the whole earth is full of your glory, because the devil gets no glory in the presence of God. We wind up fighting what we're always presenting. I guarantee whatever it is you're asking God to help you with, you still need help with now. Whatever you bring to God in prayer, say, God, I just need you to help me get through this. I guarantee you still need help getting through it 10, 20 years later. You know why? Because how are you going to come and ask for help and he's a present help? He's a very, his presence is help. He don't need to show up and help us. If he showed up, it helps. If he's here, I'm helped. If he's here, it's going to be all right. If he's here, I shall live and not die. If he's here, I got the victory. I don't need him to show up and help me. If he shows up, the help is all right. He's a very present help. God, do you feel the presence of God? I just want you to know you got your help right now. I need somebody to clap because your help is in the room. I need somebody to bless him because your help is in the room. All the help that you need. We don't get into the presence of our king and detail the power of our enemy. That's violation. That's devotional violation 101. I get in the presence of God and talk about the devil. Amen? Job, watch this. Job, Job in trying to keep his children from a curse actually opened them up to one that they were not that curse was not available to them before he gave the devotion he did continually those, those babies were not going to die. They did not die because, simply because the devil could just come through. They died because through Job's devotion, y'all hear me, he gave the enemy. God, please don't allow my children to catch AIDS. God, please don't allow my children to be homosexual. And we don't understand that we're presenting the devil before God and allowing access to ideas the devil didn't even have. Sometimes the devil's getting ideas to attack us from us. Because we don't understand devotion. If I'm blessing God, I never talk about the devil. I will bless the Lord
1: at all times and his
0: praise. I guarantee if you're detailing your struggle because of the attack of the enemy, you're still struggling with it. Because you continue to present it. You don't get in the presence of God and present what it is in his presence has no power. Job's story is about us getting our devotion in order. The devil is never supposed to be detailed in our devotion. Pure devotion only details our king. You'll never find anybody in worship talk about the devil unless he talks about him in a past tense way. Yeah, heaven talks about Babylon, but the only thing that said is Babylon is fallen. It's fallen. Amen. Now now watch this. Y'all don't mind if I just talk for a minute, and I'm not going to be long today. Intercession, and I need y'all to get this because this is key. Intercession isn't stopping the plan of the enemy. It's enforcing the will of God. I'm going to say that again because I need y'all to get that one. Intercession isn't stopping the plan of the enemy. It's enforcing the will of God. But because before the devil made a plan, God gave a will. Why would I fight the plan because it didn't precede the wheel? I enforce the wheel. I don't stop his plan because his plan can't stop a wheel that's already been set in motion. I'm going to say that again. Intercession isn't stopping the plan of the enemy. We think when the enemy shows up, our way of 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 stop, of intercession is praying for our city. Pray they'll stop killing. God, I, I, I pray... I pray that they just stop killing. I pray that they stop using. Them. I pray that they stop dropping out of school, and we call that intercession. And the devil says thank you, because all you what you're doing is you're praying that that, that that God stop me, instead of praying God's will be enforced in their life. Why would I pray God stop them from killing each other? Why not pray God raise them up to be righteous men of God like your will is? Filled with the Holy Ghost. Husbands of one wife. God, I pray and thank you right now that the men in Florence are husbands of one wife. They are not babies. They go to church. They're filled with your spirit. I thank you, Lord. I'm not praying that my daughter doesn't be promiscuous. Father, I thank you that my, my daughter is a woman of purity. Yes filled with your spirit and desire for you wherever you go she'll follow you and be led by your spirit what i do is i enforce god's will through my intercession to oh glory be to god instead of trying to stop what the devil makes them, i enforce what god created them to be and they never My intercession for my children is do not, let not don't let the streets get them. My intercession for my children is I thank you that all the days of their life they'll serve and love you because that's God's will for their lives. I'm not bringing up the devil, I'm enforcing the will of God. Amen. Psalms 51 and 10, it's one of my favorite verses. Y'all don't mind me talking for a minute. Psalms 51 and 10, create in me a clean heart. Everybody say, create in me a clean heart. Amen. Everybody say created me a clean heart. True intercession is not prevention, it's creation. It's me creating in my children what I know God called them to be. I don't call out what they're doing wrong, I create in them what's right. You know, you hear what I'm saying? So, so, So literally what I do is, Father, I thank you that my children's hearts are supple that every time your word goes forth, it hits their heart like a Mack truck. I thank you, Lord God, that every time your spirit blows, their heart shifts while they're texting. Why you have to slap them and tell them to wake up. I'm going to deal with that, but while I'm doing that, I'm going to create. I'm going to start creating in you what you're really called to be. I thank you that you hunger and thirst for righteousness. I thank you that you love the word. That every time you hear the word, you come alive, uh, that the word of God to you is spirit and life. Uh, I think that whatever the God tells you to do, you're going to do it. Uh, well, well, well pastor, that's a fantasy. No, I'm creating. Uh, if I'm in the presence of the creator, why would not create? Uh, if I'm in the presence of the creator, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Some of us want to be delivered, created. Some of us want to be joyful, created. You're the son and daughter of a creator. I want to be happy, created. Instead of presenting the devil. What are we creating in our children that we know is the will of God? Or are we just presenting the devil and what he's doing in their life to God? That's not intercession. God has to deal with our devotion. Can I just talk for a little bit more? You ever notice the more you just pray about the bad, sometimes the worse it gets? And even if God stops them from doing what you're asking him to stop doing, they still don't commit to the will of God. So no, they didn't die. Yeah, they back home, but only because they busted their head wide open and they ain't got nowhere else to go. So God worked it out. And we think that's God working it out. They're still not reconnected to the will of God. They still don't want to get up and go to church. They have to find somebody that will start creating stuff in them. You got to learn how to get up in the morning and start creating stuff. I'm, I'm not going to ask God to just change my children's heart. I'm going to get up in the morning and start creating the heart that I know God has given them, creating the mind, that I know God has given them, creating the purpose. I take you that they're sanctified and feel. And I tell them all the time, every one of you, there's one question you don't have to ask, whether you're called to ministry. I'm here to tell you right now, every last one of you have the anointing of God dripping off every aspect of who you are. It's There's nothing else you are. You are intercessor. You're a prayer warrior. Power flows out of your mouth. And I make sure every morning I create. While you're sleeping, I'm creating. You wonder why you're crying when I'm preaching when you didn't used to cry. I'm creating. intercession is not me bringing up the devil but creating the will of God in the lives of those I'm praying for because I'm in the presence of the creator. Amen? God, when are you going to open the door? When are you going to create one? Why are you waiting on an open door and you can create one? You know what God says? Behold, I set Before you. Or what? Church of Philadelphia. He didn't say in front of you. He said what? Before you. And we miss that every time because we think we can miss our door. But he didn't say, I set an open door in front of you. He said, I set an open door before you. Come here, door. If an open door, if an open door is in front of me, you can just turn and face me. Then the only way I can enter, and I missed this for years, The only way I can enter into that open door if it's in front of me is if I hold course. As long as I stay on this course, I enter through that open door. But if I turn, if I mess up, if I miss God sometimes, if I go south, what happens? I miss the open door if it's in front of me. But if it's before me, an open door before me follows me no matter which way I go. So if I turn this way, guess what that door does? It turns and stays in front of me. If I turn this way, guess what that door does? It turns and stays in front of me. But God, you don't understand how much I messed up, how much I went off, how much I did it wrong, how many times I turned right when I was supposed to turn left and turn left, and I looked up after all of my foolishness, after all of my mistakes, after all of my issues, and there's still a door open before me for the promises and purposes of God. He sets before I need somebody to say there's still an open door. My God, I need somebody to bless God there's still an open. That's before me. The open door was before me. It's before me because it's before me. God decided that before I, he knew what I was going to do before I did anything. It was before me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Job's form of faith was actually articulated fear. Why was he praying that his children didn't curse God? Because it was fear. He was trying to articulate fear and call it faith. God, please don't let them die while they're gone. God, God, please just keep them, God. Don't let them go down there and lose their mind. And that is not devotion. That's worry. That's worry. Well, well you don't. But I'm just a mama. That's just what mamas do. I don't need you to be a mama. I need you to be a daughter. I need you to be a daughter of the king because your worry ain't going to help nothing. But if you get your worship together, God will keep a hedge around them. We don't need your worry. We don't need your mama. We need your daughter. We need your spirit. I need you to present your children right so God can keep them. Sometimes emotions ain't in order. I don't care how heavy you feel them. They'll mess stuff up. Hello? I just worry about my baby. Rebuke yourself. And if you can't stop worrying, don't open your mouth. Unless you're saying thank you until you can change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Until another tongue comes. His devotion was centered on stopping the devil, not releasing God. Did y'all hear what I said? And so God, after that, Tanner, God listens. To, he has three friends, Eliphaz, Tophaz, and his other friend. They come and say, there is no way you could be living right and suffer like that. There's no way you could be a righteous man. You didn't sin against God, you didn't did something evil, you didn't did something wicked. You've been with a woman. You've done something you ain't got no business doing. But God don't allow nobody to suffer. And when God was trying to give them a revelation about devotion, uh, now, Job was more righteous than the people judging him. And that's the only reason why God was calling Job's devotion to a higher level than theirs. See, he was letting them get away with that. But when you're really anointed, God will take you into realms of revelation that he don't require from everybody. And so Job after verse after first said, I curse the day I was born. God, why did you create me? God, what in the world is this? He refused to curse God, but he definitely didn't have a problem cursing himself. He definitely didn't have a problem beating himself up. He definitely had didn't have a problem being condemned. Is that anybody's story in here? See, our thing is, I said, no, I ain't gonna curse God, but I will curse God. I just messed up. Maybe I'm just a misfit. Maybe I just can't get it right. I just went too far. I did something wrong, and so chapter after chapter, Job beats himself up and says, why? And then God shows up out of a whirlwind in Job 38, and he begins to deal with Job. Listen to what he says, and I'm closing after this. You can put it up in the NIV. Chapter number one, I'm I'm, I'm just read this. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. This is God dealing with him. Listen to what he says. Then the Lord spoke to Job. Glory be to God. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Come on, he got a ruler that can measure the earth. He said, who stretched a ruler of what, uh, on what were its footing set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? You didn't know I had stars that would sing when they saw me create. Tell me if you can tell me about this, Job. And then he says, who shut up the sea behind doors? When it burst forth from the womb, glory be to God. When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed the limits for it and set it doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no farther. He is where, here is where your proud waves halt. You understand when you're looking at the sea and it stops at the seashore. It was God that says you can go that far and no farther. Were you there? when I laid the wisdom and I commanded the sea you can have a wave as large as you want out there but you gotta pipe it down by the time you get to the shore and go go no further have you ever given orders to the morning come on or shown the dawn its place have you ever told the dawn where to go when it's day? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shapes like clay under a seal. Its, feet, its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their, up, their upraised arms is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea? Or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? You know that there's gates, that people enter into death, sir. Have you, see, have, have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? You didn't know I keep light somewhere, do you? I got a place where I keep light in rooms. And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you are already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of snow? Or seen the storehouses of hell, which are reserved for times of trouble, for the days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Do you understand that God actually passes out lightning to angels? He says, hey, you send it here, you shoot it here. Or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land when no one lives? He said, you don't even get it. I got plants, places where I ain't got people. And I'll rain on places that ain't got people to make sure I water the grass. Why is he doing this to Job? He was telling Job, you don't really understand where spiritual things function from. You don't understand the source of my ways. Amen. You don't really get why I do what I do. You don't know where your troubles come from. That's what he's trying to tell him. You've been trying to, Say where your trouble you don't even know where your trouble's coming from. You don't know how tribulation works. You're thinking you can do something, you're thinking that 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 that, that this is as long as I'm not sinning and as long as I'm not doing blank stuff, he said you don't really get it. And the Bible says that Job repented. After he went through all that he repented and God not and the Bible says then he rebuked his friends because his friends tried to tell him you was going through that because you was a sinner but you was going through that because God was teaching taking him to another place of devotion amen and then the Bible says that after Joe prayed for his friends God turned his captivity and he got double and three more three sons uh seven sons and three more daughters but this time pay attention to it it highlights the daughters not the seven sons glory be to god and so 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 job understands now a level of devotion he didn't understand understand before you think job is now going to continue talk about curses in his children again Glory be to God. He's learned an order of devotion. You know what he said? My my, my ears have heard about you, but now my eyes see you for who you are. I repent unto ashes. God is dealing with our devotion, our intercession, and our worship. Glory to God. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm not going to... God is calling us into devotional order. where we begin to stop presenting the devil before God, And we start creating in our devotion what we know is the will of God for our lives, our children's lives, our family's lives, and our ministry's lives. We start creating the will of God for our city. Glory be to God. We start creating the will of God for our being.
1: Hallelujah.
0: We bring our devotion into order. Hallelujah. going to spend a moment, and I'm going to pray, because the warfare has been accomplished. We're entering in a season where we shall learn war no more. I wonder if there's anybody that read Isaiah two, where it says you're going to turn your swords into plowshares, your shields into pruning hooks, and you shall learn war no more. Next year, we're not going to have to learn warfare, because we're going to bring in harvest. He said, you know what he said? you don't take your tool of war and turn it into a tool of harvest because you won't need to fight anymore. Hallelujah. Because we didn't realize how much of our fighting was based on how we expressed our devotion. But there's a height. He said, the house of the Lord shall be established on the top of the mountain. <sighs> I wish I had time to talk about it, but I won't. But. There is a height that you get to where you no longer have to fight. It speaks of a level, it speaks of a realm, it speaks of a a house that is built on the top of the mountains. Where where, where mountains are no longer an issue for you. Because there's no mountain too high. It's a level of relationship, it's a way of walking. Isaiah also calls it the highway. There's a highway. I'm telling you, this season won't be a season you have to fight. You can take your knives and throw them out. You can take your, your glory be to God. You can take every, all of your shields, all, all of your defenses, you can throw them, you can turn them into tools of harvest. Because we're about to bring in the favor and the grace of God like we never have before. And it starts right here in devotion. So I just need you just to lift your hands for a minute, and we're just going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I bless you. Thank you for, uh, for revealing your word to us. Thank you for teaching us your ways that are not our ways, even on this night. Thank you. Thank you for delivering our devotion from giving the demonic access to. Thank you for restoring the promise of your presence and the joy that it brings. The promise of your presence and the victory that it brings. We thank you that we'll no longer fight any made-up battles. But our warfare has been accomplished. That 2021 will be a year of peace, of building, of harvest, of promotion, of advancement, of influence. Thank you that in your presence we create. God, we forgive us for neglecting our assignment to create in our children what we know you died to give them. But we restore our devotion, intercession, and worship right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We will bless you at all times and give you the glory. (sighs)
1: Thank
0: you, Jesus. Come on, just bless them. Just however you want to bless them, just one time. Come on, just. Come on, Come on, let's just bless them for real. Come on, yeah. The
1: warfare is
0: accomplished. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to live in 2021 with a hedge around our
1: health.
0: We're going to live in 2021 with a hedge around our children. We're going to live in 2021 with a hedge around our, our finances, a hedge around our ministry. The devil won't even be able to consider us. He won't even be a topic. We won't spend any time talking about the enemy next year.
1: We're
0: going to give our lips to our Lord and bless him like we never have. Amen. I just want you to know this year, 2021, because God is preparing and aligning our devotion. I don't want to sound cliches, but I promise you it's going to be the best year For those who align that devotion, it's going to be the best year you've ever lived in your life. 2020 was the best year of my life. In a time, it was the worst year, in many cases, in human history. But it's the best. It was the best year of my life. Because God says as it was in the days of Noah." so shall it be in the days of the coming. While the earth was sinking, the boat was rising. I'm, God, you're about to see, I know things are going down, but you're about to go up.
1: It, it is as it
0: was in the days of
1: Noah. I
0: bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless your lips to bless him. Continually. I bless your heart to lift him. I bless your mind to stay on him. I bless your spirit not to bring up the adversary he's defeated. I bless you to spend the whole year talking about God. And blessing it, I bless you, I guarantee it'll be the best year you've ever lived on, this, on planet Earth. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Listen, I'm closing. Thank you. When it looks like I'm surrounded,
1: I'm surrounded by you. When it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. Come on, can we sing it? When it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. Come on. When it looks like I'm so I'm so by you. When <for3> looks like I'm so I'm so by you. When looks like am so I'm so by you. Come on. When looks like I'm so by you.
0: Come on, I dare you to sing it from your heart. Come on, from your gut. I'm surrounded by you. Hey, glory.
1: When it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. When it looks like I'm surrounded.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless you and thank you for that even now. Come on, is that anybody's testimony? Since I know when I'm surrounded by the enemy, I'm surrounded by him, I won't change the topic of my worship. Sometimes worship is not changing the subject after the enemy starts attacking. I know the enemy is attacking, but I was saying glory, glory, glory before he attacked. And I'm not going to change the subject. Sometimes worship is not responding to the attack.
1: Because
0: when it looks like we're surrounded. Come on. I dare you to testify that. Yes, Lord.
1: When it looks
0: like I'm surrounded, but I'm
1: surrounded by you, I
0: don't care if what it looks look like. like I'm I'm you. Yes, Lord. It
1: may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like i you. you. Thank you, Hallelujah. So, is that it? How anybody fights? I'm telling you, that's how we're gonna fight this year. This is how I fight my battle. 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 This is how I fight my
0: Now, somebody Shabaka, right there. Just lift your, on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, just one time. Lift your voice.
1: Hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. The, warfare over. the warfare is over. The warfare is over. The warfare is over. And I'm surrounded by My God, my God, my God. The warfare is over. The war is over, yes it is. The war is over, and I'm
0: surrounded
1: by you. The war is over, yes it is. The war is over, this is the final battle. The war is over, yes, I'm surrounded by you. The war is over, hey, yes, the war is over. The warfare is over and I'm surrounded by you. I david just turn. The warfare is over. hey. The warfare is over. The warfare is over and I'm surrounded by you! Hey The warfare is over. The warfare is over. The warfare is over.
0: And I'm surrounded by you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sanaya. And my pronouncement over you as a people, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the Lord will bless you. I need somebody to to saying the Lord will bless me. And all of God's people say, Amen.
1: Amen. And amen.
0: God bless you.